Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Thank God for the fact that Jesus arose from the dead. If you have your Bibles, open the 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which many times is nicknamed the resurrection chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that people will come to life today. And we thank you that you have conquered death. And we pray folks will come to meet Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Judy Packard of Michigan told of the time when her neighbor went to the Holy Land and sent a postcard back to her describing the beautiful gardens. Well, Judy's six-year-old said, I wonder if he saw the rose. And mother looked at him and said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, like the Bible women saw, they went to that garden where Jesus was buried and they saw Christ had a rose. (laughs) You never know how children are thinking. They might today meet like the little boy who went to church on Easter Sunday morning and he wasn't a bit happy about it. His shoes were too tight. His tie was choking him. It was a beautiful day and he was thinking, I need to be outside And as he was sulking over in the chair next to his mom and dad, they heard him mumbling under his breath. And he said something like, I don't know why we have to go to church on Easter anyway. They keep telling the same old story, and it always comes out the same in the end. And some of you may be wondering today, like that little boy, it is the same old story. Year after year, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the grave. The disciples saw him. The church began. Hallelujah. Amen. I wonder if we're having ham again this year. (laughs) But I want to tell you something, folks. The resurrection is a big deal. Why? What are the implications? What I want you to see today is how it affects your life forever. And so for a few moments, I want us to think about this. I want you to know that Jesus did not come to the earth to make bad people good. He came to the earth to make dead people live. And there's a difference. Religion will not give you life. Only Jesus can give you life. And if you're going to understand what the resurrection really means, then we need to talk a few minutes about death. 
So I want us to look, first of all, at the ultimate adversary, death. I just read to you in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. According to Scripture, death is not normal. God never intended for death to come. We were created a body, soul, and spirit to have fellowship with God on this perfect world that he created forever. Death was not in the picture. Death was not supposed to be here. And yet we know that it has come and that we know that it isn't our ultimate adversary. So let's talk about it for a moment. Let's talk about the entrance of death. Where did it come from? When did it happen? As I've already mentioned to you, God never intended for it to happen, but we do know that when you go to Genesis chapter 2, you hear these words in verses 16 and 17, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely eat. Die. The Hebrew is emphatic. It says, dying, you shall die. So death came. We know that in Genesis 3, Satan is tempting or he is telling Adam and Eve that God is a liar and that he's holding stuff from them. And so they eat of the fruit and the scripture says that death came to the world. Now that pretty much shoots holes in evolution because the fact that evolution said that something somehow created life and then it died and it no more life and died and so forth until we eventually evolved. But the scripture Scripture tells us that God created us in his image and that death had no part of that. Because man sinned, God put him out of the garden. And he said, I don't want you to live in this state for the rest of your life. But the scripture tells us in Romans 5, 12, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. If you come looking for a place where the people aren't perfect, you come to a good place. Because none of us in here are perfect. Trust me, I know these folks. They're far from perfect. And they know me. I'm far from perfect. And they'll tell you, all of us have sinned. But Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So we know where it came from. But what are the effects of death? What happened? Romans 8.22 says that the whole creation groans to be redeemed. So what happened when Adam sinned? Adam was not deceived. Adam just sinned. God didn't tell the woman not to eat of the fruit. Adam should have told her. But he told Adam, don't eat of the fruit. Well, Adam ate of it. And when he did, death entered. What happened? First of all, fear. We read in Genesis 3, verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The first result was they were afraid. They'd never known fear. They didn't have any reason to be afraid, but now they're afraid, and they're anxious, and all kinds of hostility and fear and anxiety entered. They ran from the Creator, tried to hide themselves. Not only that, but then they saw some animals killed. They'd never seen that before. 
because God took some animals and clothed them with clothes of skin to cover their nakedness, to cover their, their sin. And they saw sort of a, an, an example of a sacrifice to, in order to cover what they had done. They also saw a change in the animal kingdom. The scripture says that the animals, none of the animals were carnivorous before the fall. Did you know that? Did you know they didn't eat each other? You want proof? Listen to Genesis 1 verse 29. God speaking, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life. I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And then when the fall of man happens, all of creation now is cursed. The animals begin to try to survive. They form enemies. They eat each other. And so they saw a change in the animal kingdom. We know that one day when the Lord returns in his millennial reign, it says the lamb and the lion will lay down together. Now, they can't do that now. The lion's always happy, but the lamb never is. <laughs> They also began to deteriorate in their bodies. Sickness came. Do you know you're dying? You know you're dying. In fact, don't you love it when social media sends back one of those memories to you and, and you look at yourself four years ago and go, man, I looked a lot better four years ago. Look in the mirror and compare yourself to last year. Trust me, some of you have died some more since last year. We have aches and pains. We have sickness and illness. That all entered during that time. And the ultimate to me reality to them is when they lost loved ones. Because you have now, not many years later, you have Eve holding Abel who was killed by Cain. You see, death came and cursed everything. Death is the great enemy of mankind. Few people want to talk about death. You don't want to come on an Easter Sunday morning service and talk about death, but unless you talk about death, you're not going to appreciate the resurrection. What is the extent of death? Now, I want you to remember something because I'm coming back to this in a moment. Death means separation. Thanatos, separation. When the spirit separates from the body, the body's dead. Later on, when you're separated from God in eternity, that's still separation, the second death. But I want you to understand that death means separation. And there were three ways that Adam and Eve died, which led to all of our deaths, basically. The first one was spiritual death. They died in their spirit. We know this from Romans. We also know from the scripture that, that God has put his spirit in us. But the moment in Adam and Eve sinned, they died in their spirit toward God, which means they were separated from God in time. You and I live in time. Some of you are looking at the time right now that I mentioned it. But we're living in time. But did you know there are people right now who are separated from God in this time? On this earth that we live in, they are separated from God. 
They died in their spirit. They, they, they died spiritually speaking. And you know what? When, when they did, it began to affect their mind, emotions, and will, and eventually their body. But because Adam and Eve's permanent nature of death was a result of their sin, guess what? You're dead in your sin. You were born with a, a nature, a spiritual life that was dead. Now, I believe children are protected until they're a certain age when they know the difference. But the fact is, you didn't have to be taught to do wrong, did you? You're born with a sinful nature. You're born into this death. And so the spiritual death comes. Listen to Ephesians 2.1. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. In Romans 3.11, there is none who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They've all together become unprofitable. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Ephesians 2.4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You see, Adam and Eve immediately died in their spirit. No longer could they fellowship with God. No longer could they relate to God because God is spirit and their spirit died. It was separated from God in time, which led to the second part, physical death. To point it unto man wants to die. After this, the judgment, Hebrews 9, 27 says, James 2, 26 says, the body without the spirit is dead. Physical death is the separation of the spirit and soul and the body. You're separated from your body when you die. Now, listen to me. Death does not mean you cease to exist. In fact, did you know, listen, you will never, ever cease to exist. Once you've been given life, it's forever. So when you, your spirit separates from the body, you're still very much alive in your spirit. soul. one day God will give us a new body, but that, but physical death. Did you know there's a business here in Lubbock? It's been going 127 years, started in 1892. Some of you may have been around when it started. It's still in business today. It's called the Lubbock City of Lubbock Cemetery. It's still in business. It will continue to be in business. We don't like to think about death. We don't like to think about that. But that's, I saw a funny cartoon. It showed a picture of a woman bringing flowers to the cemetery, and she comes to her husband's tombstone. And it reads like this on the tombstone. R.J. Harwell, born 1935. Gave up smoking, 1964. Gave up alcohol, 1975. Gave up red meat, 1983. Gave up fried foods, 1990. Started walking regularly, 1992. Died anyway, 1998. <laughs> well, you and I are going to die regardless. We may prolong it, but we're going to die physically. Just look in the mirror. You can tell from this time last year, you've died a little more. It's funny when you hear children hear things like this. They don't always understand it. The pastor was talking about death, and he used the term ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And Susie, little Susie, was with her grandmother in church, and she said, Grandma, what does that mean? 
And grandmother said, well, it means that we were made out of dust, and when we die, we'll become dust again. Well, that was a good enough answer for her until she got home. She looked around, and she screamed to her mom, Mom, there's dead people everywhere in here. (laughs) Have you ever thought about when you're going to die? How do you want to die? I want to die like the man I read about who died peacefully, sleeping, unlike the passengers in his car. (laughs) We are a death-sentenced generation living in a dying world. The cemeteries are always open. We're a dying race living on a dying planet. Moses said in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The day's coming when your spirit and your mind, emotions, and will, your soul are going to leave this body and this body will have some box time. But there's a third extent to death and that is eternal death. I mentioned to you a moment ago that death means separation. So when your spirit dies without Jesus, your spirit and soul are eternally separated from God. Now, the scripture speaks of that in different ways. It uses the word perishing. In Revelation 20, verses 12 to 15, it talks about eternal separation from God. The Bible talks about hell. Nobody likes to talk about hell or the lake of fire, but it's called the second death. Jude, verse 13 says it's a place of utter eternal darkness. You see, a lot of people joke, well, I may go to hell one day, but I have so many friends there that I won't know I'm in hell. I want to tell you, you're not going to see anybody in hell. There's going to be a lot of people there because Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go by it, but the scripture calls it the second death. And the reason it's so dark is because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And when you are eternally separated, the second death, you're not going to see anyone. In fact, listen to Revelation 21, verse 8, says the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So folks, death is the last enemy. We died in our spirit, separated from God in time. We die in our bodies, and we die in eternity. But I've got some good news for you. Because it is the ultimate adversary, but it is abolished by what I call an unrivaled abolishment, the resurrection. And I do mean unrivaled because there is no one else other than Jesus who's done this. Don't you ever come to me and say, well, you believe in the same God I do. We just go on a different route. That is not true. It is not true. Unrivaled abolishment. And I'm going to show you. First of all, what did Jesus do to death? I want you to notice, first of all, the defeat of death. Romans 6, 9 says that, says that knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. In order for you to get this, really, you need to understand the difference 
between restoration to life and resurrection to life. Now stay with me. In the Old Testament, there are two instances of people who died and were restored to life. The Shunammite's son, and then another man who after Elijah died, Elisha died, his, somehow his body touched the bones of Elisha and he was restored to life. In the New Testament, you've got a 12-year-old girl who had just died. Jesus restored her to life. You have a young man who's in a funeral procession. He's died, but in the funeral procession, Jesus restores him to life. And then you have an old man by the name of Lazarus who's been dead four days and Jesus restores him to life but every one of them died again you see they were just restored to life to physical life no one had ever gone through death into eternity and was resurrected in order to defeat death except Jesus Listen to the scripture, Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I put that diagram on your notes, the diagram that you see up on the screen that shows the difference. So sometimes it just helps to look. You see, restoration means you may have tasted death and you brought back to life, but you're still going to die. But Jesus went through it and went out into eternity. How could somebody come back from eternity? Only somebody who's infinite. God. And so Jesus was resurrected to life, and now the Scripture says that he has the keys. He said, I am alive forevermore. I once was the, died. In fact, listen to Revelation 1.18. And by the way, if you want, ever want to know where Jesus took a selfie, it's Revelation 1.18. Are y'all still with me? This can be a long 15 minutes or short. You better stay with me. I'm trying to make it short. I'm, I'm just about done, actually. Listen, he says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of Hades and death. I am he who lives Reminds me when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, I am that I am. I am the source of life. I am the beginning and the end. I am the creator. I am eternal. I am alive forevermore. Actually, the Greek says I am the living one. I'm the living one. In contrast to all the idols, dead idols that people worship, all the dead prophets that people worship, all the dead people that people worship, you go to their tomb, you try to worship them, but I want to tell you, you go to the tomb of Jesus, he is the living one, the only living one who's conquered death and come through it. And so what does that mean? He's got the keys of hell and death. Now, a person who's got the keys is in control of the doors you're going in. You've got a set of keys to your house, to your car, to probably your office, wherever you're going. You can go in there anytime you want. You have the authority over that. Jesus has the authority over all the unseen world. He conquered it. 
I also want you to know what he's done to it. I call it the destination and demise of death. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Revelation 20 verse 14. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. When John got a glimpse of heaven, he said, God's going to wipe away all tears from your eyes. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. There will be no death. For the former things have passed away. Folks, death is defeated. Jesus has already defeated death. Amen? Now, what does that mean for you and me? Well, I want you to notice the ultimate absolution. Absolution means forgiveness, freedom. How are you set free from death? You can't do it because if you die, you're going to stay dead. If you die, you're going to go into eternity. If you go into eternity without Jesus, you're going to be separated from God forever. Jesus said to her, John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Oh, wait a minute. I know some Christians who've died. Really? They're not dead. Their spirit may have separated from their body, but they're still alive. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to leave with this. When you come to know Jesus as your Savior, you repent of your sin, ask God to forgive you, and you come to know Jesus as your Savior, commit your life to him, you will never, ever be separated from God again. Because he lives with you here on this earth. In fact, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in you as the guarantee of your salvation. So no matter what circumstances you're in, Jesus said, I'm not ever going to leave you or forsake you. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus said, I'm going to be there with you. And when you draw your last breath here on this earth, guess where you're going to be? With Jesus. Woo! If y'all aren't going to help me, I'll just help myself. Come on. Listen, you understand that when you give your life to Jesus, you will never experience death. You're, now, he's going to give us a new body. Aren't you glad? I sure don't want this one for eternity. <laughs> this one is sin infested. It's, it's just messed up. And so he said, I'm going to give you a new body. And Jesus has completely reversed the process. You see, Jesus said, I have come to give you life, not religion. 
I've come to give you life. And when we, were, when we give our lives to Christ, his spirit lives in us, which then begins to change our mind, emotions, and will. And one day, we're going to get a new glorified body that's fit for heaven. And the whole process has been reversed. In fact, if you think about it, I hadn't told anybody else this morning this. If you think about it, all of the miracles that Jesus did on this earth are glimpses of when it was perfect. Feeding people, raising people, healing people. The new heaven and new earth little glimpses of what it's going to be like one day. Won't be any people sick in heaven. You won't have to take any more pills. You won't have to have any more tests. And you're never, ever going to be separated from God again. Boy, I like that, don't you? So as long as I'm drawing breath here, the Lord is with me. I know my circumstances can be bad, but God is with me. And when I die... I'm going home to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So the ultimate absolution is through Jesus Christ. Romans 4, 24 says, it shall be imputed to us, given to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Our only hope Our only hope is in Jesus Christ because he's the only one who defeated death and sin. And today, if you've never given your life to Christ, you don't have to join Southcrest. I'm telling you, if you don't have Jesus now, you're already separated from him. You already are. You don't have to do anything. If you don't want to be with the Lord, you're not, you don't have to do anything. You're already separated from him. But God said, you know, I love you. And God came to rescue us. That's amazing. Why would God want a bunch of neurotic, sinful people like us? But he loved us enough to come and to show us his love. And to put our sin on Jesus. And when Jesus died, it said it is finished. The ultimate price was paid for our sin. The wages of sin is death. He became separated from God. While he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from God. He died eternally for us. And now, when we give our life to him and place our faith in him, we no longer will ever be separated from him again. Wouldn't you like that? I can't believe people turn that down. They think, well, that's just a bunch of religious stuff. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live, to give them life. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, To make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. 
You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.